Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Bible Q&A with Pastor Stephen. My name is Stephen Pace, and I'm the senior pastor at Decatur Bible Church in Decatur, Michigan. This podcast attempts to answer Bible questions in a clear but thorough manner. If you would like to have a Bible-related question considered for a future episode, you can email me your question to pastorstephendbc at gmail.com. Again, you can email me your question to pastorstevendbc at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll once again be looking at three Bible questions, so grab your Bibles and let's get started. Now for our first question for this episode, Pastor, can you tell me what a covenant is? Where are they in the Bible? Thanks. So in this first question, we're going to be looking at what is a covenant and what are the covenants or where can you find them, in other words, in the Bible. So we'll start with the first part of the question, which is what is a covenant to begin with. Now I'm going to read from the Moody Handbook of Theology and a definition that they use, and I think it's helpful here. It says, quote, Generally speaking, a covenant is a promise between two or more parties to perform certain actions. A covenant is very similar to a promise. Now it also describes a covenant in terms of conditional versus unconditional. And I'll just read this for you. A bilateral or conditional covenant is an agreement that is binding on both parties for its fulfillment. The example being the Mosaic Covenant. But then it describes the other kind of covenant, which is a unilateral or unconditional covenant. Although an agreement between two parties is binding only on the party making the covenant. For example, the Abrahamic covenant. I think this does a good job because essentially what you have is a covenant is an agreement between two parties. But... It also differentiates between a conditional covenant, which a simple way to say think of that is that two parties agree, versus an unconditional one where it's binding on one of the parties to make the covenant. So that kind of helps there with that from the Moody Handbook of Theology. Now the second part of the question was where are they, meaning the they, meaning the covenants in the Bible. Let me go through these. These are the typical ones that we would look at in terms of biblical covenants. The Noahic covenant, which you can find that in Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. The next one is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which is the Abrahamic covenant. So in Genesis, we have at least those two. And then there is the Mosaic Covenant, which is in Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse 3. And it goes forward, in fact, all the way through, technically, chapter 40, verse 38. So the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, 
And then you have what's sometimes called the Palestinian uh, covenant. You might have it referred to as uh, related to Deuteronomy. And this one is related to the promised land. And you'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, you could probably look at it a little more detailed by following Deuteronomy 27 through 30, uh, and you'll see specifically some of it in those passages there. So again, Deuteronomy 27 through 30, um, probably more specifically around chapter 30. And then the other one in the Old Testament is the Davidic covenant, and you find that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 through 17. And so from the Old Testament, we would essentially say the Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic. Uh, you could refer to it as the Palestinian or the Deuteronomy covenant um, that is mentioned in Deuteronomy. And then the Davidic covenant. Those are all very prominent ones in the Old Testament. And then we have one... And, of course, it's mentioned in the Old, but there's also a New Testament reference, which is the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. And, of course, there is debate, if you will, on the reference in the Gospels, Matthew 26, 28 where Jesus refers to a new covenant that he makes. Uh, there is, of course, debate on how that works out in terms of the church, meaning the Gentile inclusion, um, as well as with the nation of Israel, but uh, that would be the new covenant uh, mentioned there in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, as well as there's reference to a new covenant also in Matthew 26. So what we have is a covenant being a promise, in other words, between two parties. Sometimes it's conditional, other times it's unconditional. You have the Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, the Palestinian or Deuteronomy covenant, uh, the Davidic covenant, and then, of course, there is the new covenant that is mentioned as well. So hopefully that gives you an idea of the covenants that are in the Bible and uh, makes for a good study, and that should give you a good starting point there in terms of the covenants that we see in the Old as well as the reference there to the one in the New Testament as well. Now for our trivia question for this episode, how old was Joseph when he died? Again, how old was Joseph when he died? Now, the Joseph that is being questioned here in terms of how old is the Joseph from the book of Genesis. And so, how old was Joseph when he died? And in order to find the answer to that question, you'll actually turn to the last chapter, in fact, the last verse in the book of Genesis. So, we'll turn to Genesis chapter 50. And in verses 22 through 26, it describes the death of Joseph after such a great story of his life and uh, all that he 
encountered and endured and so forth. The Lord was always with him. But there in Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 through 26, we see the description there of the death of Joseph. But you'll notice in verse 26, the very last verse gives us the answer of how old he was. And it says, So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. So the answer to the question, how old was Joseph, meaning the Joseph of the Old Testament uh, book Genesis, how old was he when he died? And an easy way to find it in the future or remember it is to turn to the last chapter in the last verse of Genesis where it says that he was 110 years old and uh, lived quite an extraordinary life for sure and uh, definitely makes for an encouraging read as well. But he lived to be 110 years old. Now our last question actually does not come from one that was submitted to me or anything like that, but comes a little bit different. And the question is, does the Bible give us help or instruction when we feel like we have a lack of contentment? In other words, we're either dissatisfied or not content with what uh, the Lord has provided for us or whatever the case may be. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what prompts that to be discussed? And what happened was I was reading some various news articles, and one popped up, and there were various other publications that had written on the subject. and had to do with a recent Pew Research poll, and the poll basically reflected that around 41% of Americans said that they were either content or somewhat content with life. Uh, it was around 41% that were content. Now, of course, the other side of that means that there's about 60% that aren't. And the article's intent wasn't to necessarily give instruction on that. It was just more reporting to the fact. Um, but any of the news outlets that reported on the subject of course had no instruction on how to remedy the problem really and one of the things that you will see is that the article and really articles but the one in particular that I read described that the decline was continuing in the United States and it had continued to really plummet since the time of the coronavirus or COVID-19, the pandemic that occurred. And I thought to myself that, of course, contentment, I know as a pastor, but more importantly as a follower of Jesus, contentment is only found in the things of the Lord. And when we try to find contentment in this world, we won't find it. Or if we do, I like to say we have it for a brief snippet but then the Lord, of course, quickly reminds us in various ways that we will never be content in this life unless we find it in Him. And so I thought I'd give some biblical references for this because, of course, one might say, well, that's just your opinion. But if we encounter people and there's around 60% of Americans that feel discontent, perhaps this would give us an opportunity to show where contentment is or 
alternatively remind ourselves of it. So I'm going to give a series of verses here that deal with the sub subject of contentment. And they're somewhat self-explanatory and very practical. But I'm going to start with Psalm 37 and read verses 7 through 8. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 8. Now I'm reading from the New American Standard. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. The next one is Psalm 90, verse 14. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Psalm 107, verse 9 says, For the Lord has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. I mentioned some of these psalms here because they all speak about the Lord satisfying us, the Lord being the one who satisfies the true need, which is the soul. Uh, if the soul does not have the Lord and his nourishment, we will be discontent. We will look out at those, of course, in the first psalm and be discouraged because we'll see where those who are evil prosper and they may do well with material things. But, of course, we aren't to fret over that, but rather to be satisfied in what the Lord has given to us. And we do so in the morning, at the break of day, so to speak, as Psalm 90, verse 14 says. But then we're going to look at a few others. The next one is Proverbs 14, and in verse 4, Proverbs verse four, chapter 14, rather, verse 14. So Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart will have his fill of his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied with his. Of course, the Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs, oftentimes depicts the good versus the evil, or the righteous versus the unrighteous. And so we see there the idea of the good. We also see in Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. And so we have the idea of fear of the Lord there. Fear of the Lord, of course, can mean reverence. It can also mean just that, fear. Uh, fear um, of the Lord, and it can be used in either way there, and it leads to life. But you'll see there about being the one who goes to sleep satisfied, satisfied in what the Lord has given to them. Now the next one we're going to look at, having looked at a few Psalms and Proverbs, uh, wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with his income. It's interesting there, and I mentioned that one because has some similarities to Psalm 37, which I read earlier, but the idea there is not money or income, but rather the love of it, and it makes one unsatisfied. The point there obviously being that money and things 
they ultimately don't satisfy us. When you look at it this way, you get a certain salary and then it increases, but then you're not satisfied after a while with that and you want more. The idea there is very clear in Ecclesiastes 5.10 that money doesn't satisfy. And I think that many of the problems that we see in particular in the United States, which is easier context for me to see, is that we have this idea, even in the church, that money and those sorts of things are the things that will bring us satisfaction when in fact those things don't. But then we also see the idea in the New Testament, two verses, Philippians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 12. So again, we're going to look at Philippians 11, chapter 4, excuse me, verse 11 and 12. Now, I'm going to remind you of this before I actually read it, which is that Paul is in prison, and this is one of the letters that is sometimes called his prison epistles. But you'll notice here that Paul speaks of contentment, yet he is in prison, and so we see that it Contentment, biblically, is not based on external circumstances. And that's the main point here. He says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry by having abundance and suffering need. So clearly he's in a externally, if you will, circumstance that's difficult, but you'll see where he contrasts these back and forth. They sort of ping-pong back and forth in any and every circumstance, good or bad, whether he's filled up, meaning he is full, or he's hungry, whether he has plenty or he is suffering need. Either way, he has found contentment. So again, you see a lot of these same themes here, being content with what the Lord has given to us. But then finally, I'll end with Hebrews 13.5. Make sure that your character, notice, is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I end with that one, although not necessarily just because it's chronological, but you'll notice there that the person's character is Latin, does not have the desire. It's free from money. Its contentment is where? Well, it's at the end of the verse. Its contentment is in the Lord. It's content in Christ. So there is help for a lack of contentment, but you won't find it in the world. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our relationship with Christ. That's how we have contentment. And, of course, the Lord is always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He doesn't change and those sorts of things. So I would encourage you today that if you are not content to look at your relationship with the Lord, or, alternatively, maybe you know someone who is lacking contentment in life, if we point them to the things of this world they will not find lasting contentment. It will be only found in Christ. And may we encourage people to do that today. Well, this concludes episode 34. 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode. Thank you for taking time to listen. Until then, God bless.